and welcome to What's Brewing, a Project Zion podcast series where we ask the questions, what is mission and why does it matter? This is actually a special What's Brewing episode because it's our first live event here at Project Zion podcast. We encourage you to submit your questions and comments via the chat feature of your platform. Zoom users, please send your comments and questions by direct private message to Kelly Phipps. Submissions from Facebook and YouTube participants will be transmitted to Kelly by our production manager, Ashley Pozo. And I'll take this minute just to introduce her. Ashley Pozo serves as the production manager for Project Zion podcast, and she will be handling the behind the scenes stuff for us tonight. And she's going to be monitoring feeds as your comments and questions come in. We're going to do our best to have our panelists respond to those questions either as we go along or near the end of the event. We have some time for that set aside as well. As you may have guessed by now, the man on the scene who will be sorting through those comments and questions and passing them along to the panelists is none other than my friend and co-host Kelly Phipps. Hi, Kelly. Hello, Blake. Good to be with you. Uh, good to be back with you too, Kelly, and thanks for being a part of this. For those of you who may not know Kelly, Kelly is a lifelong member of the Community of Christ. He currently serves as professor in the Healthburg School of Management at Rockhurst University, where he teaches in the areas of leadership development, organizational behavior, and conflict management. He also conducts research on the topic of spirituality and leadership. If you don't know him by his name alone, you might well know him as Jill Phipps' husband. Near the end of last year, Kelly proposed a podcast idea to us um, at Project Zion Podcast based on his observations of changes that had happened, were happening, or perhaps needed to happen in the church in a post-COVID-19 world. And I had the honor of doing that episode with him. Uh, if you're interested, and we would encourage you to go and listen to that, it's episode 641 and can be found on projectzionpodcast.org or any of your favorite podcast platforms. So, Kelly, I'm going to ask you, if you would, to give us, uh, give our listeners a little bit of an idea of how we got to this live event. Sure. Thanks, Mike. Uh, so, the short version is, for a variety of reasons, I was looking for online ways to connect with the church, and I've been looking for years. Uh, and there weren't a lot of options. There were a few. And then when COVID happened, that changed dramatically. And, and so uh, out of personal curiosity, I began kind of tracking all the new things that were happening that I knew about and uh, started my, my brain looks for patterns and things. And so I started noticing some trends and patterns and and that's uh, about the podcast that you and I did uh, earlier, was about those trends. Um, but in my conversations with people about the online and hybrid ministries they were doing, a couple of things really struck me. First one was this unbelievable wealth of creativity being expressed, uh, which is maybe a fancy way of saying no two ministries were alike. Uh, each one of them was doing it very differently. And the second thing that struck me um, is that many of the people I talked to expressed a desire to be in conversation with other people who were doing hybrid ministries. Uh, there was a sense that they were kind of making it up as they went and would love to hear what other people were doing. 
And so you and I uh, had a conversation after um, we recorded that episode. And, uh, and the idea that came out of that was creating a, a space where people could share what they were learning in the midst of their experimentation. And I am so grateful that you followed up on that and made this opportunity uh, happen. Uh, and very much look forward to hearing what we, what we learned tonight. Thanks, Kelly. And yeah, part of that, I think, was I asked you at the end of that uh, episode or near the end of that episode, if you had any of the answers to the things that you were seeing. And your answer to me was absolutely not, but that we had lots of that right here resident in Community of Christ. And so we're hoping to tap into that and hopefully start a larger conversation through this episode uh, to encourage folks to give it a shot and try it because it is, is really important that we consider our options in hybrid ministry. So speaking of that, I know, and I wanna acknowledge that in Community of Christ, there are lots and lots of expressions of hybrid ministry across the church, from low-key book club discussions and small groups to high-end energetic worship experiences. And our panelists tonight represent a small sampling of what is being done around the church. We hope, again, that it will encourage a wider conversation about the types of ministries that can be done by our congregations, small groups, new expressions, coffee house gatherings, et cetera, et cetera. We did specifically call this episode hybrid ministry because we realized that our capabilities with hybrid technology stretches so far beyond worship. So let's meet our panelists. First on our panelists list is James Clark. James Clark and I recently met when doing an episode on the Reaching Out Center of Streetsville, Ontario, where uh, James serves as uh, the financial officer and a member of their leadership team. So welcome, James. Thank you, Blake. Hi, everybody. We also have on the panel tonight, Jude Vickery. Jude Vickery is a team member for the Chicago Mission Center Sunday Ministry, and uh, that comprises uh, worship and Sunday school where he serves as the production and tech guru. He also serves as the assistant uh, financial officer for the Mission Center here in Chicago Mission Center. So um, he has he wears many hats. Welcome, Jude. And last but not least, we have uh, Carla Long. You might know her as host extraordinaire of the Percolating on Faith series and several other series here at Project Zion Podcast. And then there is, uh, I don't know, she just got a new job. It's part of, um, uh, oh, the presiding bishopric. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You probably wouldn't recognize that, seeing that she's wearing sparkles tonight. But welcome, Carla. <laughs> uh, thank you, Blake. And yes, I'm feeling very sparkly tonight. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's great to have all three of you with us. And as you'll hear tonight, as they share a little bit about their ministries, Hopefully you'll get an idea of the reason why I have asked them to be here tonight. They represent, like I said, a sampling of some of the types of ministries and even the reasons why hybrid ministry is important. So we're going to just go around with our panelists here. I'm going to start with James. And James, if you'll just give us a brief introduction of yourself so our listeners could get to know you better. And uh, then maybe also if you could just Give us a little summary of your overall ministry so that everybody can understand what you're bringing to the panel tonight. Will do. So 
James Clark, I'm the CFO for the Reaching Out Group in Streetsville, Ontario, Canada. Nice to be with you all tonight. Um, <clears throat> I've been in the community of Christ my entire life. So to see this shift to hybrid ministry is quite a change from what uh, I have been a part of my entire life, but, but great to see and a great offering for everyone, um, as we'll talk about more tonight. <clears throat> Our ministry for Reaching Out really is about um, for everyone born a place at the table. We are all about making sure that our space is inclusive and anyone who walks through our doors is able to be a part of our gatherings, both online and in person. We are trying very hard to insert ourselves into a new community. We've just recently opened a building back in September. And so we are really trying to become a part of that community and, and show what community of Christ can be in that area. Great. Thanks, James. Carla, how about you? So my name is Carla Long and I'm a counselor to the presiding bishop and a member of the presiding bishop, Rick. Um, I'm a mother of two adorable kids, Leah, who is five. She just started kindergarten and Ari, who will turn four on leap day. So that's, it's coming up this month and he is super duper excited. Some people keep telling him he's going to turn one and he is quick to remind them that they are absolutely wrong. He's definitely turning four. Uh, my husband, Kuzma, is from Ukraine, and he is a 70 in the church. And um, my job before, my current job, I was a seeker minister in Utah. I was the pastor of the Salt Lake City congregation in Utah, and uh, I was working seeker ministries. And so that's where most of my expertise, oh gosh, it's so scary to say the word expertise. That's where most of my knowledge about this comes in handy. So I'm going to be talking a lot about my time in Utah. Great. Thanks, Carla. And you all heard it. She is the expert of the group. So please direct all your questions toward her. Send them through Kelly, but direct them all toward her. Okay. And Jude, how about you? Uh, yeah, my name is Jude Vickery. I'm an elder in the community of Christ. Uh, like James, I've been in the church all of my life. In fact, my dad was, uh, my parents have been in, grandparents. It goes on multiple generations in the church. So I have a lot of history. Um, I've, uh, I've served in mission center leadership um, for most of the last 20 years in one mission center or another, and uh, I've been a pastor, youth leader, counselor, and uh, various other roles throughout that whole time. I'm somewhat of a musician. I have a lot of, uh, I have some experience with sound equipment, including recording uh, and develop, recording development, um, and including uh, live sound uh, for like bands and, and things like that. I've done some of that. I'm also a photographer. If uh, you've been looking, you know, see the pages of the Herald, uh, pictures in, in their uh, bulletins, the Sunday morning bulletin, if you get those, um, and also uh, publications that the church puts out, oftentimes they will use some of my work uh, there. So it's likely that you have seen it, even if you didn't know it. And then I've also been in, right in the middle of the tech world and how it relates to community of Christ on all of these local areas where I've been working and including bringing that tech to bring people and tech together so that it makes ministry more accessible in terms of what you see, like words on screens, um, how we connect with each other and so on. Jude, thanks. Uh, for those of you who are looking at Jude and saying, gosh, that face looks familiar, it may be because you've probably seen him either hanging from the rafters or climbing under the tables at conference, taking pictures. He likes the up and close view. And also I wanted to say, I forgot to mention when I was uh, introducing the panelists, in case you picked up on the fact that they all have 
a financial connection. You do not have to have a financial connection to do hybrid ministry, though it doesn't hurt to know someone who does. I will just say that. But uh, you do not have to be a financial officer or a bishop to uh, to do hybrid ministry. So, Kelly, I'm going to turn it over to you for a question for our panelists. Russ, um, so before I do that, actually, um, I get the benefit of seeing all the conversation going on on the side that you don't. Uh, one of the things we had hoped to happen in this gathering was uh, for people to be sharing some resources, and I've already heard about one I was unaware of. I'm going to send it all out to you. It's courtesy of uh, Dukey Bishop passed this along. It's apparently a uh, Facebook group. I'm sending it out to everyone. A Facebook group committed to Community Christ Audio, Visual Technology, and Social Media Ministries. Uh, so it's a resource I wanted to make sure I didn't drop in the comments in the last minute of our time so you didn't have a chance to capture it. So with that out of the way, let's um, start with our first question to our panelists. And I'm really curious to know, um, what about the context of your ministry uh, drew you to consider uh, a hybrid format? So uh, what about what you were trying to accomplish caused you to, to consider hybrid? Well, I'll go first, Kelly. I'll jump in if that's okay. Please. Uh, like a lot of people, uh, our foray into hybrid worship ministry came during the pandemic. I was pretty serious, though, about taking the challenge and turning it into something that could be helpful for the church. And I'm really glad I took that attitude because it would have been really easy to get like mired down and all of the craziness that has to happen behind the scenes. But it turned out to be such a wonderful thing for the Salt Lake City group. Now, there are a few things that I want to mention. One, when we were in full lockdown for the pandemic, I wanted to find ways for people to interact with the church and not just in a worship way. And I'll get to that in a second. As to worship, though, we would have Zoom church three times a month. And then once a month, we would have church on different platforms, Facebook, YouTube, just like we're doing here tonight, because sometimes I think Zoom can be too insular. Um, that was a really great ministry tool for people who are interested, but not interested enough to go on to Zoom. It's really easy when it just pops up on your phone and you're like, okay, I'll give that a look. And they say, I'll just go in there. Now, secondly, I wanted something for people to find if they were looking for us. So I started a YouTube channel. It's called Bishop Carla K. Long. And it's full of little sermonettes, no more than five minutes long on all sorts of topics. Some of those topics are meaningful for seekers in Utah, and um, some would be interesting for any kind of church member. I also thought it'd be a really good time for us to get to know people better. So during the pandemic, during the height of the pandemic, when we weren't seeing anyone, I interviewed church leaders of of all types about all kinds of topics. And I also interviewed members of the Salt Lake City congregation to check in with them. That was a little series we called, How You Doing? Which was really fun. You got to know people in your congregation on a deeper level. Now, one of the most important things I think though about the seeker ministry in Utah is that most of the seekers who come to the church, of course, in Salt Lake are from the dominant religion in Utah. And it's a pretty big deal to walk through the doors of another church when you're a member of that dominant religion in Utah. So for instance, I when we did have church in person, I 
would see people sitting in the parking lot in their car, just holding onto the steering wheel in our parking lot, just wondering if they had the courage to walk through our doors. Now, now that we do a hybrid worship um, at the Salt Lake congregation, it's a lot easier for people. They don't have to like immediately walk through the doors and like change their entire life and find the courage to do that. They can jump in on a hybrid worship. They can watch on Zoom and they can get to know us in a way that is not intimidating, that is not scary. And when and if they do walk through the doors, they already know the pastor's face or the presider's face, and it's really not as scary. So it's really interesting. And I know this wasn't true everywhere, but in Utah, at least, we grew the congregation during the pandemic because we had found a way to make it less intimidating and less scary. So it was actually a really, really positive thing for us to do. Thank you, Carla. Um, how about uh, our other two panelists? For reaching out, we were in quite the same same process as you were in terms of the pandemic, sort of um, facilitated the need for hybrid worship and hybrid gatherings. We were also in the process of looking for buildings. So we needed a way to have people meet, but at the same time be able to feel connected and feel like a part of what we were still trying to do, even though we didn't have an actual space, which is something we wanted. Um, it's always interesting to try and run programming uh, hybrid, hybridly. Um, we have a program we like to run with a lot of kids involved in activities and crafts. So we took the time to try and um, take packages around to a bunch of the people in our congregation. And then everybody did the craft at the same time. So um, you, we're trying to find new ways to make that a reality. Sometimes it's as simple as finding stuff around the house that we can do. And sometimes it's something as easy as let's join together, let's have a meal and talk. Um, there are many ways that you can, you can do that. Um, but I think one of the key things that has been important is that it doesn't just have to be on Sunday at 11 a.m. You can do that anytime anyone's willing to set something up. And that can really be impactful. Sometimes a Tuesday night can be better than a Sunday afternoon. It just depends on what people are, are doing and what they're interested in. Our ministry for us is very important in terms of trying to keep people engaged and involved and bring that sense of we can connect with anyone, even if they can't get to us on a regular basis. Great. Thank you, James. Jude, how about you? What, uh, what about your context drew your group into using hybrid ministry? Yeah, like like the others have mentioned, uh, panic. Uh, pan the pandemic was really part of the thing that started it all off where people were un unable to meet in congregations, in their local congregations, even with each other uh, to start with. And so that process led to coming up with a way that we could, we could at least meet online. Um, but uh, further than that was that here in the Chicago Mission Center, we have a lot of congregations that are becoming smaller and smaller. And so in, in with that meant that resources are also getting less and less for each one of those congregations. And so um, with the experience of being online already, the idea was borne out that maybe we could get these groups to gather together. And so uh, where our, our 
Ours is a little bit different is that we actually have several congregations that all meet together. So we have one congregation, several congregations. Each of these congregations will meet together in their building, but then as a group will join onto the online hybrid worship with other congregations and we will all meet together in the same in, in the same worship. Um, and so it, it, it really all part of it became a necessity to be able to share resources from all of these different congregations, because when we're all together online, you can have somebody doing something from any of the locations all joining together to create one worship. Great. So I've, I've been kind of taking notes as I'm listening, and there's really two themes that I heard people keep repeating. Uh, the first I, I expected, and that is uh, intentional efforts to create a sense of belonging for people, um, doing more than just uh, connecting on the screen, but uh, something that made people really feel like they belong. The second one uh, was kind of a surprise to me, and that's the extent to which each of you talked about an invitational part of your hybrid ministry, making sure, I think, uh, Carly, you talked about uh, being insular, uh, avoiding uh, an insular approach, making sure that the hybrid ministry is reaching out not to just the people who are already connected, but creating a bridge to people who aren't. Um, so thank you for sharing those uh, examples. I really instructive. I'm getting questions, and I want to make sure we come back to those. Um, there is one question I want to pose, and, and folks may want to address it in their responses. A uh, question is uh, uh, from a pastor who's wanting to start a hybrid ministry to the LGBTQ plus community uh, using an online service and a podcast. And his question is, do you have any outreach advice for the queer community who are scared or resistant to engaging the Christian church. So I want us to not necessarily pause what we're doing to answer that question. Let's move forward with our other questions, but I want maybe as you're, as you're responding, if you have advice, uh, you can work that into your, in your subsequent questions. Blake, I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, thanks, Kelly. And I, I do think I, I saw it looked like Carla might want to make a comment on that. So why don't you go ahead, Carla, and do that, and then, then I'll ask my question. Don't I always want to make a comment? Uh, hi, Benny. It's good to, good to hear your question. So the thing that popped into my head immediately was that just build a community, you know? Um, one of the series that we did, the How You Doing series in Salt Lake, People love to talk about themselves. And what was really cool for me was that people, others love to hear those interviews and love to listen to those interviews. And then at church the next Sunday, when we'd have our chatting time after church, people would bring up those interviews and talk about it and say, hey, so-and-so, I didn't know you loved this book and this movie. I love this book and this movie. And then they made another connection. So like for me, if any way that you can build community and build those connections, it, a community just happens if you do that. So I, I always for like letting people talk about themselves, allowing that community aspect just to be born at that time. Thanks, Carla. We, we may have some additional responses to that question as we go along as well. I want to 
change the question here just a little bit and and hear from you guys what are some of the lessons that you've learned along the way with hybrid ministry so maybe uh, perhaps what are some of the difficult hurdles you had to overcome or what was easier than you thought or what was that one thing you wish you had known before you started and let's start with Jude this time thank you Mike um so yeah, one of the one of the things that's interesting about uh, you know our situation where we have we have people that are live in some places um, in a very particular place joining with people who are online, and sometimes when elements of the of that worship are happening, it's right there in that location, and people who are um, the people who are busy doing their part of the worship oftentimes forget about the people who are joining online. And so we have a, there's like almost an imaginary wall where they'll address everybody that's local to the room because that's what we've done. That's how we've been, you know, taught for years and years and years, but looking beyond the camera and beyond the microphone to all of those people that are joining in, in, in this hybrid way um, it is difficult for people to overcome sometimes. They can't just automatically see past that wall and, and aren't as inclusive to all of those people as they otherwise could have been um, or could be. And so that's been, that's been one of the struggles that we're dealing with um, with people who are new to the process. Now, I mean, you can get over it. Uh, it, it. It can take some time to do that and some, you know, some gentle reminders, you know, that, hey, you need to, you know, as, as a tech person, part of what I think about is that you need to treat the microphone, you need to treat the camera as another person. And when you do that, you're not just connecting to one other person or just connecting to the camera, you're connecting to everybody that's watching, you know. And so um, people oftentimes will walk off away from a microphone, for instance, and then say something to the local the local crowd and Nobody online can can hear that, you know. So that's one of the things that I'm doing. Oftentimes, I'm I'm a background guy. I'm typically not out in front. I tend I tend to be in the back, running running hardware, um, and making sure that everything is connected. But you know, I'm usually wearing a set of headphones so that I can monitor what everybody else is hearing that are connected in an electronic way. And if I can't hear it in this ear, and I only hear it in this other ear then that means somebody's being left out. And I'm usually making some kind of a signal on my headphones. It's like, hey, you know, repeat that. You know, so anybody who's at the microphone, they need to repeat what they've been saying so that everybody that is connected, everybody that's part of the group can hear everything. Thanks, Jude. Appreciate that. James, what about you in the Reaching Out Center? So for us, I think one of the hardest things to overcome was to be be okay with chaos and be okay with not being in control. Um, you know, whether it's someone taking too long to get off mute to say a call to worship or there's a dog barking in the background or what have you, people singing off of mute and not always on key. Um, it it happens. Um, but, you know, our, our our gatherings are usually so set in what we want to do. Okay, we'll do our call to worship and then we'll have our message and then we'll take up the offering. But, you know, being okay with 
that chaos and that unknown happening has has really helped us. But the only way you can get over that is with time and trying to do it over and over again and trying to get better every time. Um, something that was easier than I thought it would be would be the uptake and the ability of people of all ages to be able to get on these devices and connect and speak and be able to enjoy the service. It took time. It, it took energy. Sometimes I was IT. So a phone call during the week to try and test it to see if it worked and then try to replicate that on Sunday, um, you know, is is something that that happened for us. But I think it, it, it becomes easier over time. It just takes practice like anything else. And I think one of the things that I wish we all, we all had hindsight on was a bit of training, having some time to have people around and train on this. Obviously, a pandemic and lockdowns is in no one's playbook of the future. But, you know, having to do that in real time, sometimes on these gatherings before the service starts is is something that that happens, but it, it's it just takes time and, and effort. Great. Thanks, James. And Carla? Well, what I was going to say was a lot of what Jude and James already said. I, I, we had a big learning curve in the Salt Lake congregation to remember to like repeat things into a microphone if something was said in the congregation or, or make sure you do everything you could possibly do to make uh, the people online feel as if they are actually there and they're an important member of that congregation. And so, I, I mean, that means allowing them to give to the disciples generous response, making sure you remind them to have bread and juice ready if it's communion, anything that you could do to make them feel like they are in part of that community is really important. And that was a big kind of a learning curve for us. The other thing that I wish I would have remembered more often is that the people online were incredibly forgiving and loving and caring and thank goodness they were. Um, if something messed up and for some reason they had no sound at all, sure, they would let us know, but they would say, you know what, it's totally okay. When they would see me like scrambling up front or trying to figure it out, um, the people online were just so kind and just really, really generous. And I was so appreciative every single time. And I made sure to message the people who were there to say, thank you so much for your patience. We'll, we'll do better next week or we'll do better again. So those are the two things that, those are the two lessons that I learned in a really, really big way. Thanks, Carla. And as Kelly said, with the last question, there seems to be some themes. I think the one that stands out for me is the intentional inclusivity and really uh, being open to hearing the feedback uh, that comes in so that you make pe people feel welcome, whether they're gathered in a, in a local place or whether they're logging in from online. I know that there are lots of things that we don't consider because we've done things in a certain way for so long. And I think one of the distinctions that stands out for me, and it sounds like you have all captured that, is understanding the difference between streaming and hybrid. Uh, so uh, tonight we're actually doing more of a streaming thing, although we are um, taking comments and questions from everyone. Uh, this is kind of a, a one-way communication in a lot of ways, but in the hybrid ministry we do, making pe people feel welcome seems to be really part of that belonging aspect that Kelly was talking about earlier as well. 
So um, we all know also that uh, in our worships, I would let me speak for my own worships, the places where I've been, uh, they're rarely uh, consistently perfect. So there's always a snafu or somebody forgets it's their turn or those kinds of things. So giving ourselves uh, some grace with that as we engage in hybrid ministry is expected. And I think as Carla mentioned, a lot of times people are just gracious that we um, are trying the best we can to include folks and they can tell if we're doing that. So, but technology often gets in our way as it did a little earlier this evening. And speaking of technology, um, I wanna spend a couple of minutes with the questions of technology. And uh, my question would be what kinds of equipment or resources um, does your, the version that your ministry uses, uh, what does it require to do that hybrid ministry? Is there a bare minimum that a congregation would need to get started? Is there special software required? And, and we've, I did hear the need for training, but can someone with little training make this happen? So a question for you about technology and what it requires. James, you want to get started? I know you, you mentioned a little bit about training already. How about you? get us started here. Sure. Yeah, I think I think that one of the keys that we have found that we do need is a solid sound system. I think you know having that microphone being able to project sound um especially if you're not able to tap into a sound system specifically. So we're at the point for us where the microphone and the speakers is our way to project sound into our Zoom meetings. We're trying to figure out a way to get those connected into a sound system specifically. Um, so I think that's a really key piece of technology. And one thing that goes with that is someone has to stay on and monitor what's going on online. Judy made a great point about hearing what people are hearing, but at the same time, being able to answer questions in real time on chat, if I can't hear this or this I can't see or whatever, will help you get better in, in real time. And sometimes that, those can't always be fixed right then and there, but at least you're aware of them and can can focus on them for the next time. Um, we use Zoom specifically. We've invested in Zoom at reaching out so that we can you know, use it on an ongoing basis for whatever we need, both from a service standpoint and, and from a from a planning standpoint for our for our services and for our budgets. Um, so we, we felt like that was a good opportunity for us. But there are other other platforms you can use, such as Facebook as well, could could be a good one for you as well. But there is some setup there too. Um, I think anyone with minimal training could do this. I, I think there is people have gotten used to logging on to to Zoom calls and other online platforms based on the pandemic and work and other things. So I think there is a level of simplicity with that. I think these platforms have tried that, but there is there is a level of IT-ness that does need to be there that you do need to understand what you're doing in, able to, in order to be able to help other people you know, with, with their issues. Um, but again, I think, you know, Carla made a great point as well, that people are just thankful that you're trying and thankful that you are, you know, doing your best out there and, and they are quite, you know, gracious and, and thankful that it, it makes it easy. Thanks, James. How about you, Carla? Yes. So during the pandemic, um, I don't know if it was 21 or 22, but a group of international church members got together, led by Robin Linkhart, and we created a document on how to do this. And we worked really, really hard on it. There's like pictures in it. 
And it, if people are having a hard time figuring this out, you can find this document. It's called Supporting Hybrid Worship. It's at Harold House. You can find it at heraldhouse.org. And it is a fabulous tool. It, I'm sure that it needs updating at this moment. But it, for the most part, if you're looking for to get started with something like this, that's the place to go. Um, I could tell you what we used, but I'm not a I'm not super IT type person either. So what I use, maybe we kind of hobbled and some stuff together to make it work in Salt Lake. I think they have a better setup now. But that document, supporting hybrid worship, would be a really, really great thing to look at. Thank you, Carla. That's, uh, thanks for bringing that up. And we'll make sure that that uh, reference is also in the show notes uh, as well. And Jude, how about you? I started off laughing here because, I, I mean, our experience is so much different than what has been explained so far by Carla and James um, in that, you know, we, we have large, several large groups that are meeting together and where where we I could say broadcasting from, but where our control center is so that we can kind of monitor all the IT backends, we have a live group that meets there as well. So not only do we have the maintaining the connection to everybody outside of the congregation that we have to pay attention to, we also have to maintain all of the connection inside the congregation for everybody that's there um, so that they feel like they're part of it. Because even the people sitting there can feel outside of what's going on if it's all directed only at what's going on online. So uh, our probably unfortunately uh, for, for Blake, I've been involved and I make things very complicated <laughs> sometimes um, in terms of the actual hardware setup, but that makes it much more streamlined for us to actually do what we need to do. So we actually have three people that on most Sundays are running all of the hardware required to make this, the congregations of various different of our different groups all be together in one large work worship. Um, and, and that extends even to, we have TVs in the front of each of the congregations so that they can all see everybody else. That's that zoom that has a, that has a computer and a, and a camera that faces the congregation. So then where we are, we get to see the congregation. Um, and so they see us, we see them. It's full two-way. Um, you just have to think of it in terms of if you were sitting um, with your phone in, on Zoom, well, you could be looking at a congregation that way, and the whole congregation could be looking at you. So there are multiple levels that we have to deal with there. Would I say that you have to do that? Absolutely not, because it, it all depends on your unique situation. Are you a congregation that is trying to just reach out to some of those people who are siloed at home and can't travel to your congregation? We have a number of those people. Um, then your hardware, your hardware setup is going to be very simple at that point um, to, to get that done. If you're trying to do more like what we're trying to do or what I shouldn't say trying to do, we are doing it. We have all of these congregations joining together, then it gets more complicated the more layers that you're trying to add. Um, and so it's it's very unique. I can't just go down through a list like Car Carla said and, and give you a list of everything that we're using because it probably won't do really, it won't suit you justice in your situation without somebody who can help you actually get that get that set up. But that doesn't mean you can't start simple. Um, a, a lot, oftentimes um, it, uh, when we started this, I, I started pulling together antiquated equipment. 
I mean, I called it Frankenstein. I mean, I was pulling old equipment from everywhere. I mean, it was a piece of this and a piece of that. And we had low quality of this and low quality of that. But it was to patch things together and make it see how we could work, how we could push piece it together, make it work. And then what did we need to change? So I was doing it on a very low budget before we actually spent money to make to get our some of our high dollar equipment that makes things easier because we knew what needed to be made easier. Great. Thanks, Jude. Well, I think as you've heard across uh, not only the answers to this question, but our others, you see that um, spectrum of ministries and costs and levels and that kind of thing. Um, as Jude has mentioned, what is being done uh, where his ministry is here in Chicago is something that has kind of evolved over time, and it is different than what was done with the Seekers ministry, certainly in the beginning. So uh, we don't want to discourage you from that. We just want you to see all the possibilities that are out there. So I'm going to turn it back over to Kelly. I'm sure that we have some things brewing in the chat that uh, we might want to address. Wow, thanks, Mike. So a um, couple of things I wanted to comment on, um, or actually comments in the chats that I wanted to share with everyone. Um, Mark Sadler pointed out that uh, in, with their group, they mounted a TV in portrait mode uh, just to display the chat window of Zoom in the sanctuary uh, to keep folks online engaged and more connected with those uh, who were in person. Uh, so another suggestion of how to use technology to create that sense of uh, connection between the two groups. Uh, it was also pointed out that uh, their ministry started with a cell phone and a FaceTiming member that wanted to be in the Sunday school class one day. Uh, and so you can start as big or as small as you want. Uh, and then uh, Bren Williams asked the question, uh, any suggestions for connecting with children or youth hybridly? What works well with that population? Any of the panelists or anybody else have suggestions for that? I could I could say something about that. We had a, a, a Sunday school for class on Zoom for the kids. And, you know, one thing that they really, really loved, there's a way for them to draw on the screen. Oh, gosh. I don't, I can't quite remember what it's called. A annotated, maybe. And so, like, you could throw... Uh, like one thing I did was I put like a hidden pictures page up there to try and grab their attention. And they got to circle all the little hidden pictures like you used to do in highlights that you loved. Whiteboard on Zoom. Thank you, Robin. And uh, so they they actually really love that. We also used to have act out a story and everybody was acting out in their own little screen. Everybody got a little character and that was super fun. That kept them really, really engaged. Um, there's also, um, I don't know if it's still going on, but there was a book club for kids that was still going on and it, I'm seeing that, yes, it's still going on and they do a peace practice, which is a spiritual practice. They read a book together. They, they chat together and it's become this beautiful community, this book club. And it, it has just really done really well. So a book club could also work, um, together online. I, we had so much fun. I actually really enjoyed teaching the kids on Zoom. Oh, and tons of lessons can be found on allthingsarespiritual.org. That's a great call out. I was going to say as well, for us, um, <clears throat> for those of you who listened to the podcast that I was on a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about a little about All In Sunday and our sort of intergenerational um, um, 
programming for, for everyone. But during the pandemic, I mentioned, you know, we, we, we didn't have the ability to see each other in person and we had to resort to doing things hybridly, including, you know, having some sort of gathering, a meal together, an activity together. And, you know, something as simple as trivia games where kids can type in the answer and feel like they're involved in what's going on. It's reminiscent of school for them. So they understand how it works and they understand being connected, but it's a way to, you know, get them involved and to just keep their interest. Um, and the fact that they all know how to use this technology, some of us, some of them better than me in a lot of ways, um, you know, they're, they're able to engage and feel a part of the conversation, which is always super important. So um, Ducky um, passed along, uh, Ducky Bishop passed along some free resources, and I posted those uh, in the chat. Also, she pointed out that uh, her 16-year-old is attending Sanctuary on Facebook. It's a youth group in Michigan somewhere. Um, and uh, also pointed out Cahoots as a great tool for youth with uh, use with youth. Um, I do not have any other questions in the chat right now. One just came in. Um, oh, Robin Linkhart posted, I think, for everyone, the Kids Book Club uh, designed during the pandemic. Um, and uh, Gail Ronenberg asks, uh, could we have the link to Chicago Ministry to log on to some Sundays? Yes, I'll put that in. I'll put that in the chat. So um, I don't have any other uh, chat questions coming in, but I do have something that I would uh, love to hear from the panelists. And that is, um, what's on the horizon for you? What are you thinking? What are you thinking about trying next, or would love to have the resources to try next? That's a that's a great question. Um, I, for us, we I've, I've mentioned it. I'm going to beat this drum again, talking about All In Sunday and trying to have that intergenerational piece. We would love to be able to have a North American-wide All In Sunday where we continue to get groups from all over North America to be involved in a sort of early morning gathering. Then we have a meal together in some way and then a craft or activity afterwards. Reaching out would love to do something like that in the future, given the the resources and coordination of that. Um, you know, I think that kind of ministry uh, could be very important for people of all ages. Uh, we found that the connection between, you know, some of our more seasoned members and, and some of our younger members has really been impactful for both of them. And it's a way to engage everybody. So for, for myself and for reaching out, I think that would be a really interesting thing to do and seeing all the people on here tonight, I think that could be super successful. Well, I'm no longer in the space I was, um, but as a member of the presiding bishopric, uh, I just want to say, stay tuned. There could be something on the horizon that would, is going to be really exciting coming up maybe later this year. So just stay tuned. I can't say too much about it because it's still taking shape and forming, but we're definitely making some plans and hoping, hoping to find new ways to use online worship and ministry, and we're pretty excited about it. Jude, anything you want to add? Yeah, I was just say, I mean, we don't have a lot specifically planned, but what I can say is that I mean, we're excited about the fact that 
in the in the way that we're doing things that we've been able to jump past you know geological boundaries for instance so i mean it's it's not uncommon to have an apostle come and speak for the work for the worship service um art, art smith just spoke this last you know this, this last sunday um so we, we've been able to reach out we've had speakers that are from all over the world but all over the country and they can join us without these boundaries of being very local um, to where we are. And that's, that's a really exciting thing because you can hear some of the best speakers where otherwise they wouldn't normally just be dropping by your congregation on a regular basis. But for us, we get to have that, um, you know, as, as we reach out and, and arrange this stuff and that's, that doesn't just happen. I mean, you have to plan it and, and, and get it to where you're bringing people in plan out far enough advance. Sometimes it takes a year. Um, but if you're intentional about it, you can um, you can do some really good programming um, by using a hybrid method that otherwise uh, you wouldn't have access to. And, and that that part of it is very exciting. So one of the questions uh, posed in the chat is, is there someone who can come out and help us with our hybrid stuff? Um, so I guess the question that I'm posing is, uh, are there resources people are, know, are aware of or people who are willing uh, to, to be a, an assistant to people who are trying to help with this or at least a, a journey with them? I, I'm, I'm assuming we're talking about more of a high, like a, uh, an equipment process of trying to put some of that together. I mean, is there, or, or is it the whole thing? Any more follow-up on that? I don't know the answer to that. Um, what I would suggest is if you are willing uh, to be of an assistance to, to someone who is trying to set this up, if you could, uh, uh, message Blake or or myself and let us know. Uh, we can be sure to pass that name along. I don't want to call anyone out and volunteer them uh, for a specific assignment, uh, but I know there are folks on this call that may be willing to do that. Um, and I would just say, of course, go speak to your mission center president or mission center financial officer. They they probably know what's going on in your mission center, and maybe someone around your mission center or closer to you would be able to jump in and, and give you some good advice too. Well, I've already had three volunteers. Oh, excellent. And, and I would uh, just add, I would just add to that, that hardware wise, I mean, there are, there are people who specialize in hardware in almost every sizable town. Um, it, you know, it think past the money for, for a minute and, and, and you bring these guys in to design something that works, but you have to have a plan. What what is it that you want to accomplish? And when you explain that to them, they can give you hardware, um, you know, uh, examples of what they could do. And they could range anywhere from the cheap to the expensive. But um, some of those guys are, are are really in touch with what the new stuff is and the stuff that it does. And and you can bring them in and 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 have some a system designed for you that that would make that work. So um, I hope it's okay that those of you who messaged me volunteering, I'm going to read your names out loud. <laughs> you, you may be frightened by that idea, but um, I very much appreciate your willingness to. Uh, so Benny Blevins said, I'd be happy to help. Um, 
Uh, who else did I see? Um, Michael Butkin uh, said he'd be willing to help as well. Um, uh, Benny Blevins uh, and Mark Sadler all said they would be willing to assist. So, um, again, that was one of our objectives was to start connecting people. Uh, and so thank you very much to all who are willing to, to volunteer to, um, to help. And so those of you who are looking for someone to help you get things started, uh, those are some names that we can, uh, um, Blake and I will capture those names and uh, you can email either Blake or myself and we'll pass those names on to you if you didn't catch them when I was reading them. I think uh, we're, we're at at our time, um, Blake, I'm going to turn it back over to you to wrap this up for us. Well, thanks, Kelly. I just I do want to say something that came to mind for me that I want to just lift up and we won't take the time to go into it now. But um, when when we are doing hybrid ministry online and projecting to, to other folks, um, specifically things, uh, if we're also streaming or posting, we need to be real careful about copyrights. Um, and, and doing the right thing. There may be some things that we think we can get away with, but the ethical thing for us to do is to observe observe the copyright laws and to abide by those things. So I will tell you that there is nothing on YouTube that is legal to use in streaming, except if it is on the Community of Christ channel or um, otherwise explicitly um, offered up. Otherwise, uh, general content in YouTube is not legal to use. And there is no license, as, unless something happened in the last few weeks, there is no license that would allow that. So if you have a CVLI license, just because it says video license, it does not include YouTube. If you have a CCLI and a streaming license that allows you to use the master recordings from particular artists, that gives you only the sound audio version, the, the right to use that. Your CCLI license and your one license will allow you to reprint the lyrics nothing covers the video. So I want to lift that up and say that if you have any questions about that, uh, please, again, check with your uh, mission center leadership or your pastor. And if there are additional questions, you can always reach out to me as well. I have put my email address in the chat and uh, we'll make that available in the show notes as well. I just want to thank you all for being here. I want to start with uh, my co-host, Kelly who gave the initial prompt for this whole conversation and the acknowledgement that we have so much in resources available to us here in Community of Christ, if we could just make connections. So Kelly, not only thank you for the original episode that we did, but for being a part of this tonight and for kind of getting us to this place. It's been very helpful. If I could share one last thought, uh, the, the image that keeps coming to me over as I've listened, um, I grew up in a relatively small congregation. And so for me, this idea of being a small group connected to a larger community was always a part of my church experience. And everything that you guys are talking about doing is just that, connecting smaller groups of people to a larger movement. And so everything we're doing is consistent with our identity and our mission. And I'm so grateful for the work you're all putting in. So thank you. Thanks, Kelly. I also want to give special thanks to our panelists tonight who agreed to be put on the spot. So James and Carla and Jude, thank you for all you are doing and have done and for all that is to come.
for all of you who are doing hybrid ministry, thank you. I want to give special thanks also to our production manager who's been behind the scenes feeding those questions in and watching multiple feeds. She is doing something that I cannot do because I cannot multitask. So thank you, Ashley, for uh, helping us to get this going. And, and uh, when we do our next event, it will be even smoother in the beginning. Finally, I want to thank all of our participants and listeners, all of you who support Project Zion podcast in all of the series and the things that we do, and especially here tonight in this live event for making this a success. We hope that we'll be able to do some additional live events uh, in the near future, and uh, we hope that you'll be able to join us for that. If you have topics that you'd like for us to consider for future episodes of Project Zion podcast, whether it be a live event or just an episode that posts through the uh, podcast platforms, please send those ideas to Project Zion podcast at gmail.com. Now we'll review them. I won't promise that we'll be able to cover everyone that might come in. There are some topics that we have to be very careful about as uh, the church leadership and the church as a whole works through them but we do welcome your input for that and your ideas and thoughts. So to hear more from Project Zion Podcast, of course, you can go to projectzionpodcast.org or find us on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Thanks for joining us. We uh, hope you have a blessed day. And as uh, my boss and uh, the executive director of Project Zion Podcast, which I also should say thanks to her for giving the approval for this, Apostle Robin Linkhart ends her episodes by saying, go out and make the world a better place. You guys take care. <music>